0: Episode 16 Selling Gather Up, Part One The Why.
1: Welcome to the SaaS Venture Podcast. Sharing the adventure of leading and growing a bootstrapped SaaS company. Hear the experiences, challenges, wins, and losses shared in each episode. From Aaron Wykey of Gather Up and Darren Shaw of Whitespark. Let's go.
0: Welcome to the SAS Venture. I'm Aaron. And I'm Darren. and We are back in the year of 2020 after finishing off 2019 and catching a little bit of downtime. I know I probably got even more than I normally would with Christmas on a Wednesday, New Year's Day on a Wednesday. It was a a nice, slow two weeks for me. How about you, Darren?
1: Super slow. I touched in a little bit here and there, but I mostly took like a full solid two weeks off over Christmas up until January 2nd. So that was nice. good, Good little break. Spent some time with family. Get my mind off work for a while.
0: Yeah, it's one of those great, like you can count on being able to recharge at the end of the year because everyone wants to do the same thing. So yeah. <laughs> email's quiet, phone is quiet, text Wonderful. is quiet. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I so I so look forward to it in the last couple of days where it's just like, you got to start getting your mind back in the game and, and ready to roll and launch the new year off to a fast start.
1: Yeah. You know, it took me about a week to kind of ramp up too. I felt like my first week back, I was a bit sluggish, not, not firing on all cylinders, but I don't know. Back in it now, got lots to do. I'm trying to time block and and plan my week and plan my day and really get as much done as possible. So feeling productive now. You're ready to be
0: the most efficient you for 2020.
1: Exactly. All right.
0: So as we had teased at uh, in our last episode to close out the year, um, you know, the the big news on my side of things is uh, we announced, I think the public announcement was November 14th from our press release. But um, as of November 1st, gather up was acquired huge Um, Uh, yeah great big news the the finish (laughs) line you're gunning for and yeah I, i mean a million different thoughts and as you and i you know talked about how best to talk about this and share things and you know, just try to put as much out there. Um, I really felt like at least two, and I think we've arrived at now, we're probably going to do three episodes on this because there is so much ground uh, to cover. For sure. Um, So, you know, looking at this today, we want to focus on kind of the why and almost, you know, some of this is like pre-sale and, you know, then early once you get an offer and and things like that. And then, you know, the second episode, we will look at, what are all those pieces of that you know ninety day or one hundred and twenty day window, whatever the deal timeline looks like, um, and how all that works out, and what to expect? At least what I saw in our scenario and things like that, mm-hmm. and, and then doing the third part on like you know post post transaction, right? Because when everything closes, and especially in our case where. You know, I stayed on as CEO. One of our other founders, Mike Blumenthal, stayed on. And then basically our entire uh, staff stayed on. You just have a ton of logistics work around press releases and customer communication and internal things and employees and, you know, so many other things that that you know, post sale. Um, transition if if you are staying on with who's ever um, purchased you the uh, boy there's it, it it's its own episode there is a laundry yeah. list
1: of things so yeah, i'm really interested in that process like all the different moving parts and how you have to answer to different people now and how do your meetings go and how often do you talk to them and what kind of say do they have so i'm looking forward to discussing that in part three yeah
0: so before we get all the way to that, we have
1: to get a part one done first. Yeah. And
0: maybe, uh, you know, one of the first things that I can probably offer up um, that a lot of people uh, have asked me is just like, were you guys always looking to to sell? Yeah. And the an- the answer from that is yes. Like the that was always part of, you know, starting a SaaS company. Um, we were both doing something that, you know, we loved, but we also wanted to get it to a certain point and really looked at a at a sale at a successful acquisition as being what we wanted to achieve. A, a time where we could take money off the table and also look at the company having a its its next phase with some different uh parameters on it. So yeah. that, that's one thing I've been asked in general a lot. And the answer is like absolutely. It wasn't uh it wasn't a like, oh yeah, we didn't know this was possible or never thought about it. Like we definitely had Talks over the years on, you know, are we tracking the right way? Uh, yeah. Are we valuable? Who might buy us? All, all of those kind of things with
1: it. Yeah, it's interesting because it's like, you know, my company was never sort of, uh, that wasn't a thought when I started my company. It's kind of just evolved into a company that is a potential, you know, acquisition target for some of these companies. And so I've, you know, I'm looking at it now more, thinking about that as a potential exit. And thinking about all the things I would need to have in place for that, you know, if I was, if I did decide to sell, but it's not necessarily the end goal for me. Like I, I will continue to grow the company, but you know, let's say the company is doing fifty million a year in in revenue, and I'm happy, and things are going well, and I have good leadership that's running things. It's like, well, maybe I don't sell, right? So it's one of the it's one of the yep. things that I kind of bat back and forth. I keep looking at it from multiple perspectives, and I guess we'll see as we continue to grow. Yeah, and we had a plan B like that that we brought to
0: the table that we're like, listen, if if we reach this level of revenue and this level of profit margin. Then maybe our our best move at that stage is you know profit sharing yeah. and spreading that success around and and using that to build a very sustainable long term so it wasn't always you know it wasn't sell or bust mm-hmm. um, but th- that definitely was the leading one, especially um you know from the early days that was the the big motivator the the carrot that was out there for us yeah
1: how many uh Like how often were people approaching you and saying, hey, would you like, you know, we're interested in your company. Can we have some talks about potential acquisition? Was this happening on like a monthly basis for you? Once a quarter kind of thing every week? I don't know.
0: Yeah, somewhere probably between weekly and monthly. Mm -hmm. Um, And and it's one of those where it just kind of, maybe about two years ago now is where it first started to pop up. I think we had reached, you know, some amount of maturity, um, we were there for a couple of years. Some of the work we we're doing was a little bit more visible and keep in mind, it was, you know, you start getting this interaction from a few different things, right? Some might be potential acquirers, um, you know, summer investors with, you know, different um, capital type programs yeah. from venture capital, uh, you know, and, and things like that. So, but the way I look at it, it's just, it's, outside parties being interested in um, taking part of your growth, whether they end up owning all of your growth or they want to give you some money and get a percentage to help fuel it or provide some services, whatever that might be. but. Uh, it definitely, you know, a couple of years ago, it, it definitely escalated.
1: Sure. And and uh, did you have a process in place for, you know, how to handle these uh, leads coming in? Did you have like a spec sheet that you would just give them be like, oh, I hear some details? Because um, I found like I've gotten into the conversations a couple of times, it could be a real time suck. And so did you make, you know, do you have a specific point around how you would handle these so that they didn't end up taking so much time? Like, because you can go down a rabbit hole with them and then it doesn't turn into anything yeah we really didn't have a hard and fast rule on it, and you know for a while it was
0: you know uh Don Campbell and Mike Blumenthal, the kind of you know two of the three original founders, they handled a the majority of those calls. I can't speak to you know how that looked for them or or what that was like um, as I transitioned in and started being you know more at the forefront of some of those and then you know some would even kind of uh, come through me. A lot of times I was really looking at like, you know, who who is it that's making the reach out? It, it's usually not too hard to figure out like, is this their business development rep? Is this someone, you know, low ranking, a very form templated email, mm-hmm. you know, look into their company. What else is in their portfolio? How much can you learn about them online? Thing, things like right. that. Um, because y- you definitely can't take every call or meeting that's out there. I think you'd be so distracted that it just wouldn't be healthy. Yep. Uh, But I do, I do think it's really important to like build some framework, make some determinations and take some of them because there's so many aspects to those conversations and you learn a lot by what do they ask you? What are they looking for? If it's somebody that's done these acquisitions, you know, what's important to them? Why are they interested uh, in you? Um, you know, just kind of all of those kind of pieces. So I, I just really consider it to be like good practice. And to your question, you need to be smart about it. But just like anything, if you're going to be, you know, decent at it, you definitely should take as many practice shots as you
1: can. Did you consider taking funding at all? Like any of those leads that came in, you'd be like, they're trying to offer you some kind of funding. Did you ever consider that? Or you mostly just shut those conversations down?
0: Yeah. as As a team, right, as a cohesive unit, the four of us that were the main shareholders, um, I would say as a team, the answer to that was no. I think at different times there definitely was a person who, or two within the four of us that would say like, you know, we should consider this and things like that. And then we, we would just end up in conversations with like, okay, if we did, what would we do with that money, right? right? Like yep. what's our plan that money is the obstacle right now that's holding us back. And I, I never felt just because at the stage of the company, we were still really honing in on our our fit and our value and our messaging and so many other things. I never, I never once felt confident that like, oh, money is the problem right now. And if we just had more of that, we could, you know, take this, we could take a million dollar investment and turn it into $5 million of run rate in two years. Um, So. From, from that side, yes, the conversation popped up, but it really didn't go anywhere fast. Yeah, I, felt,
1: I always feel the same way. It's like, uh, you know, extra money would allow me to hire a few more developers and maybe develop a bit faster, but it's not worth uh, trading any equity for. That's generally how I end up. Every time I think about it and consider it, I'm like, yeah, no, I don't need to. Yeah. And that's, it's important
0: to understand the math on all that for you, too, right? It's like, okay, if for where we are and we're this, and if we got an offer and it's this multiple and looks like this, here's what we would get out of it. And if we took funding and here's how the cap table changed and our ownership, well, now to get that same number, we would need yeah, this. Totally. And, you know, what's the likelihood and what's the time to get us there and what, what actually does that give us? So there's a lot, of, a lot of different things, but I can say even like for myself, it was just operating from a position of debt um, where, you know, you were going to take money and have a burn rate that your sales weren't going to match. And yeah, I get that's the way of the, the software world and, and everything else, but it just wasn't a scenario I was most comfortable in. I'm more interested in bootstrapping and, and self-funding.
1: Yep. I was wondering, like, okay, so you had all these different suitors coming in, different people, and so h- how did you arrive at sort of deciding that uh, you're the company that ended up acquiring GatherUp? That this is the one you wanted to work with.
0: Yeah, so early on, it was probably about two years ago when we got our first like bona fide offer, right, where like actually written down here's an offer, here's what we're thinking. Um, and that that first offer kind of um, had three different components to it. Part of the offer was cash, part of the offer um, was like seller financing. So we'd be paid once we went into that company and then that company was acquired. And then another portion was um, stock. Um, within that company. so as it grew and then as it achieved an exit, then we'd be paid off. And while that offer wasn't like you know the the best, um, obviously we didn't we didn't go with that offer. Um, what it did make us do is kind of put some exercises in place to start talking about, you know what what does an offer look like that we would say yes to. So when we received that offer, we took it very seriously. We had conversations, um, and then what I did is just built a spreadsheet, um, kind of pertaining to like these three columns. But really, more important, I looked at it like, all right, what do each of our like four main shareholders? What do we want right now in cash, and what do we want to basically get chips to bet on the future of the next company? And so within that, each person got to kind of fill out what that looked like for them, Um, and and it really. It, it allowed us to like have a very good numerical conversation um, and in that case the the easy takeaway was from what that offer was we needed like an, an offer twice sure. as high like other, otherwise how it factored out we weren't going to be able to, to say yes to it um, and it also started to outlining what was worth more to people based on their engagement their career arc things like that did they want you know more right now or you know did they want to be able to have chips? to bet on, you know, something else on, on a future endeavor with the company that would, a, would acquire us.
1: Really smart. Like, did you find a framework or read some blog posts on people, other, you know, founders that had kind of done a similar process, or do you just kind of come up with that on your own? We're like, we're going to sell. These are the, these are the factors we need to think about. It, and you just sort of put it together. Yeah. I, I
0: don't think it was a, it, I don't think it was the, um, a truly unique idea. I think I'd, probably came across it because once that happens, yeah, you go into Google search overdrive on acquisitions and right. You're trying to, even though I was already listening to podcasts about it and and things like that, I tried to find like every last piece. Um, And so I don't, I don't, I can't state directly like here's where I found it or whatever else, but it definitely wasn't an original idea. Um, but however I took it in, it, it easily made me realize like we each need to understand each other's expectations, and then we need to see cumulatively how do those add up to something that we would all right. you know say yes to or, or have a no brainer. And it, it really was it was a it was a great exercise just to be able to see everybody's exact thoughts numerically, which is so important in an offer like that.
1: You know, it is kind of amazing. I don't know how many times I've heard about companies totally falling apart because founders, uh, partners, they have a falling out. They stop getting along. They have different visions. But Gather Up has always felt from the outside looking in so solid. The four of you guys have always been so, just worked so well together. It always seemed to me. And these kinds of exercises, when I hear about them, you're like, okay, Let's get everyone's thoughts on this and let's collaborate on it. It just feels like you have a really great thing there. I think we we were always have been pretty solid at communication. I mean, in all honesty, we
0: definitely had like any, as any family would, you have things to get sorted out and squabbles or irritants and things like that. And we even had some transitions, right? Because we did have, you know, um, Don as a main founder kind of rolled off when I took over as as CEO. And I think, you know, his desire to be in the day-to-day and exactly what his role looked like had kind of changed in, in his mind and needed something different. And so we definitely had those ebbs and flows, but yeah, absolutely. We all valued communication and all very respectful of each other with how they viewed it or where they were looking at it. And at the end of the day, even if you didn't agree, you'd be like, all right, well, I know how they feel, or I know how they look at it, so we're gonna we're gonna keep that in mind, or respect that it's just different than ourselves, but keep plugging ahead right. on what our mission is.
1: Yeah. Well, so on what's the name of the company that bought you again?
0: Uh, Alpine Software Group. So it's kind of a yeah. So it's kind of a, a few levels down. It's a. Uh, Basically, a private equity firm Um, at the top is Alpine Investors. Then they have an arm uh, that's called Alpine Software Group that has purchased over 20 software uh, companies in the last handful of years. Um, And then inside of that, we're now nested in a group um, called uh, ASG Martech. So they own uh, seven other marketing technologies they've acquired uh, a number within uh, the reputation space they own one of our competitors um, as well great us and that really that gave us you know kind of a lot of comfort when we got into that and I guess w- one thing before we get too far forward I want to point out like obviously two years ago, those offers we got that offer, we got—that offer—we drummed up another one at the time, which was even like less and a total waste of time. <laughs> um, from what it was, the way they structured it, and it made it really easy for us to say no to those um, offers. Um, e- even though the one, the one definitely was intriguing, even though the numbers didn't work, there were future possibilities with it that were very intri- intriguing. So it was a very polite, like, let's stay in touch, do right. whatever else. You know, that's just not the right fit. We're going to keep going on on where we're at. Um, but, you know, in saying no to that and putting our heads back down, it definitely made us think past even... Where we figured out some of the numerical things, you know, really allowed us to have a lot of conversations too on what we were looking for in an inqu- uh, in an acquire. So when we got when these conversations started happening um, with Alpine Software Group, you know, we we really kind of already had defined what are the important core factors um, to us that. These these are the high level check marks that have to be checked off for us
1: to want to do right. a deal. Yeah, that's smart. I'll we'll have to think about that when it, if it ever gets that way to me for for me and my company. Like, what are the things that I'm really looking for in whoever's going to acquire White Yeah,
0: because it is it's it's far more like you know it, yes, obviously to get an exit and to take money off the table that is absolutely something that you want, but that's the money's not all oh, of it, yeah. it's not everything.
1: I'm very interested in what will my life look like in one, two, five years after selling because I'm really happy with my life now, right? So will I? Will that make my life better or will it make my life worse? And what about the lives of my employees, right? So those are the things that I'm really focused on uh, when it comes to thinking about what it would take for me to sell. Yeah,
0: and we arrived at kind of three main pillars, right? One is someone that would help us grow faster than what we've yeah. been growing on our own. Um, and you know, we've, we've had great steady growth year over year. It's what made us attractive for an acquisition and everything else. But we'd have to look at them and feel like, yeah, that, here, here's why we feel they would based on you know, process, knowledge, experience, the combination of those things uh, uh, mm-hmm. and everything else. So that was one. The second was just as you alluded to is like, who is going to give our team a future, right? Both individually um, and, and as a whole, uh, because we, we all were very lockstep in, right? When you, when you build a bootstrap business and especially your early employees, like there's so much hustle that goes into things um, and you're just scrapping away all the time and you get a very tight unit, you're very dependent on each other, you've shared a lot of ups and downs, all of those things, like you care about them deeply and to be able to like be like oh sweet we'll get this win and there's four of us or six yeah, of us totally. that are celebrating while there's another 10 15 or 20 that like are now in a really tough spot like that that wouldn't have been a win that wouldn't no. have sat well
1: everybody needs to personally. celebrate
0: yep and then the the last piece is finding a partner that was still going to you know uh champion and go along with yeah. what our vision is like we felt really strong about that um And both Mike Blumenthal and I knew we were likely going to stay on board and continue on. So we wanted to be able to, you know, because we love the product, we love what we're doing, we love working together. And so we wanted the opportunity to be able to continue that and not have that come to a halt that this transitions. And now they're like, nope, we're going to do something different, whether it's, you know, branding, name, focus, folding it into something else, all of those pieces. Um, you know, we we wanted to protect that and make sure that the product had a future and the vision had a future as well. So th- those were like our main three things. And obviously, to, to do this, like our acquirer, like yeah. all of these boxes were checked off. Of Did you have a,
1: you have like a, you know, three times, eight times valuation number or just you had to know that the number was worth it?
0: Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't so much the multiplier, but from going back through that exercise, like we definitely had, we definitely knew yeah. a number, right? That was like, okay, if it's structured this way and it, and it hits this number, um, It'll definitely be be in play. Um, And even with with Alpine Software Group, like um, we had had a number, I think we had had three or four conversations over maybe a a year's time where they would just check in with us and see how we're doing and we'd talk and, you know, see how they're seeing the market and things like that. Um, and it was after the you know third or fourth call, as that came to an end, where they just said, "Okay, you know we're 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 serious. We'd like to make a move with you, and here's here's the things we'd need to be able to you know kind of turn around and make a, a pretty quick verbal offer to see if this is a conversation worth taking somewhere."
1: Um, yeah, and was it did it feel lowballed or was there a bit of back and forth negotiation?
0: Yeah, it it definitely wasn't lowballed. They made an offer that absolutely grabbed our attention. Um, you know, our our final ended up a, a little bit higher than where that initial mm-hmm. conversation was just from when we, you know, went looked and felt about the value and our future and where we we're positioned in our market and and things like that. Um, but it was they were they were extremely extremely fair negotiators. Um, you know, you hear. You definitely prepare yourself for a lot of things in this because you hear negotiation <laughs> nightmares and clawbacks and how things are treated and, and what the deal is anchored on. Um and I really I really felt like you know these they, they represented themselves as like caring about the founders and really just being focused on the deal and and the outcome being successful. Um, And I can, I can say hands down, like Alpine ASG did just a great job of that. I never felt like, oh, they're sticking it to us or they're digging their heels in or whatever else. Like it it was very solid from
1: that standpoint. You mentioned something that's interesting to me. You said, you know, like it was a, you know, a series of conversations over a period of a year and I'm curious to hear your tips like how do you manage those from the initial conversation like if you are a company that wants to sell how do you handle each one of those conversations what are some things like to not do you don't want to like turn them off how do you keep them interested enough even if it's not the time to sell
0: yeah for me it was it was just being genuine to what we were doing. Like I was insanely confident in what we were doing and where we we're going and pumped about it. Right. It was like, I I'm living and breathing the brand and right. evangelizing it. And I feel like we have all these things going for us. So, you know, when we'd have these conversations, like the, those are the things that I'm pointing out. And I, I think in a, in a roundabout way, I, I really wasn't trying to trying to position it, but I would, I would think that like the confidence, the things we were having, you know, some of the areas that we're telling them the ballparks we're in numerically and things like that. Like that's what they, that's what made them more interested, right? It's like uh, dating someone, developing a relationship, anything else. Like the, the more you hear the kind of things that you're, attracted to or intrigue you um, and and you have that like the the better off it can be. so to me it was like just being just being genuine and I wasn't trying to have the conversation to, to sell the business either like I was having the conversation like oh you're interested in how we run and what our future looks like and what we're excited about. sweet Yeah. let's let's spend 20 30 minutes and and talk about that. I'm totally happy to to share that. Without, I need there to be an outcome of this conversation. Like you're going to make me an offer, or you're going to buy us. Or did any you of those ever
1: kind of feel things. guarded um, with information sharing, knowing specifically that they already own a competitor? Like wasn't that like numbers and yes, processes yes. and all this stuff? Because this is what they want to know. We're not going to be interested in buying your businesses unless no, we know what your growth rate is, your numbers are. So how, did you not feel nervous about sharing? Them? Yes.
0: Um, <sighs> So I guess a kind of way like I I don't believe in like the uh, Colonel Sanders recipe that like it, you need it guarded and in the vault and only one person knows how to make it that way. Um I, I believe in like you you do you. Be confident in the path it, that you're going. Like GatherUp has a ton of competitors. Some of those competitors have, you know, taken funding that was nearly 10x our revenue and that was their yeah, funding exactly. for them to start off with. Um so when you have those things I just I felt more like uh, be proud of what we've built um embrace it don't try to be something you're not because eventually when you get when you get to an offer anyway like you're going to need to hand over P&Ls and whatever like they're going to see your numbers really exactly and they're going to see What's beautiful about you, and they're going to see your warts or scars or any of those other things in your financial trends. Um, but the, you know, the one thing that was a little trickier about it was the fact that you know they already owned a, a competitor of ours, so that did make me a little bit more guarded in some ways. Um, but it, it also at the other, t- it made it easier because we were able to dig in and see, like, all right, well, let's talk to us since you own them. What's growth been like? How's this gone? Those kind of things. Um and what they were able to do with our competitor gave us a lot of confidence, like, wow, they know mm-hmm. our business really well. They understand what our value is, they've had great success with how they've grown that. So that feels like a really good fit, right? That checked off our first pillar of will we grow faster with these guys than on our own. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I just wonder what like the the typical advice is. Like, do you share your numbers on the first call or do you like, you know, wait for, you know, date number three? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. And I don't know if I haven't, exa- I mean, I, I I don't know if I would write
0: away, but man, it just, I was going off gut with so many of these. Um, but I definitely, I'm not one of those that is worried that, boy, if they know this about us like now we're just going to be in a horrible spot. If they know our revenue or our churn or any of these things, like now our success is going to go away because I've never felt like any of our success has anything to do with who our competitors are anyway. We're trying to do what we do. That's a good way of looking at it. Um, So I, yeah, I I can definitely see why, you know, you can feel that way, but at some point if somebody's serious, you got to have some substance to the conversation and it has to, and it has to involve numbers. So I would, I would be, I would be prepared for that. And if anything, you should know those numbers, right? Like if they ask you things like that, you should there's a set of numbers you should absolutely know and be able to like put in front of them or ballpark or say, "Yep, we're above this." So you don't have to yep. give the exacts to the dollar amount, but you can easily say like, "Hey, here's where we are right now. We're in this range." Um,
1: and, sure. and this is our revenue, this is our rough profitability. Yep. This is our churn. Yep. Yeah. All right. Cool. What else?
0: Um Boy, there's so much <laughs> I know. Uh, that you have to take in. Um, you know, I, on the prep side, some of the things that make your life a lot easier is just like, and, and you you kind of weigh this out, right? Because you don't want to do too many things only for the purpose of possibly selling, but you do have to look at and say, do we have the right processes? Do we have the right accounting practices? Uh, is our tech squared away? Legal documents, right? All, all of these different things that when you are if you you know if you get an offer if you get a letter of intent and then you kind of go into this discovery negotiation phase to get to a a purchase agreement like you you want to have your house in order um and the good news is we were kind of already on that path uh, i would say you know the timing of our offer like we were committed to being heads down for at least another year or two we still had another like financial Um, goal line that we wanted to cross. And we said, all right, when we get to this number, then we'll be a little bit more periscope up. And we might even be like seeking or trying to drum up offers or interest instead of them coming inbound. So, you know, when they kind of jumped into this, it did throw us off guard a little bit, but it was like, all right, this is a real conversation. We've had a bunch of talks, and if we hand over these things, they're gonna give us a verbal offer that's a real number within days. Um, so it it jumpstarted some of the things where we would have had to have have even more things buttoned up. Um, but you know, to to cut, and this is you know something that we can talk about uh, in the next one, like. Uh, I feel like our company ended up being very polished, very buttoned up. Um the evaluate like there was no surprises uh really within uh our process. We had a little bit of a like document on the on the legal company mm-hmm. formation side, a little blip, but like our tech scans were they you know, we were told that it was some of the cleanest that they've run across in their 20 acquisitions. We have a lot of very mature processes. Like we were a very well-oiled machine that had done a lot of things right early because we're wired to care about quality and process and we're building for a longer haul. So we had instituted those things more for the success of the company, less for being acquired. But man did those come in handy when you really get into like the the fire of the middle ground of you know sorting out the position the company's in financially Yeah did you have
1: to hand all those things over in advance of the offer like here's our full tech stack here's our processes here's all our accounting here's our legal documents did you have to hand that over before you got the offer cuz that feels particularly if you're if you're giving that information to someone that owns your competitor Yep Yeah not not in full, um, but I mean, we did have
0: like three or four things we need to hand over, and one was our like last year and a mm-hmm. half of of our P and L. So that you know, that's definitely very telling to yep. see what your top line and the margin you're pulling down and everything else. Um, but you get it, especially when you're talking about the kind of dollars that you're talking about. Like no, no one is going to make an offer totally. without yeah. seeing something, right? It can't. It can't be totally based on vapor. Now that said, you know, um you know, not a lot as far as you know a few just real broad questions on tech stack, but nothing mm-hmm. really digging into things like that. Um, so it really was just like uh, three or four three or four documents items, um and two or three of them really had to just deal with. Uh, our P&L, our numbers a couple of different ways, um, things that we were able to easily pull together in like a day, a day and a half sure. and, and lob over to get the process started. And then after
1: that, was it, okay, cool. Here's an offer pending an evaluation of your tech stack. Was there anything pending in the offer?
0: What basically takes place after you like have a verbal, then we went and met in person, um, shared a little bit more. They had questions and you know, they're very much like, you know, share as much or as little as you want. But the more you share, the more concrete this is going to be. And we were we were very, very uh, open within all of it. I mean, transparency is kind of key to how we operate. Um, so that meeting wasn't very hard for us. And after that is then getting to the first formal piece. And that's a, a letter of intent. So the LOI is more of a smaller kind of uh, precedes the purchase agreement and gives a high-level framework on dollar amount or how it's arrived at or what the multiple is, what are the inclusions, the process it's going to go through, the timing, all of those pieces. Once you kind of get that squared away, that's kind of like the the high-level rules of engagement that any big pieces Mm -hmm. you kind of want highlighted there. Um, Then once you sign that then that's when you go into like, okay, now we're going to embed this so we can do tech scans on your software. We want to interview some of your customers. Um, We want to, you know, see the financials 12 different ways. We want every piece of legal documentation. Um, So you basically create this data room and you are sending, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of documents, anything legal you've ever done, NDAs, employee agreements, all those things are all going into specific folders located in there for their team and their lawyers and attorneys to be going through and doing checklists and see, are there any flags? Does this wow. check out? What's the impact? All of
1: that. What is a tech scan? What do they do on your software? I'm curious about this. Like, One if my software would hold up to this tech scan.
0: Yeah. So a lot of it has to do with just looking at like, is this... Originally created code is this a lot of um, you know piecemeal of other like open source um, solutions? Are you are you operating a number of things that you do or don't have licenses for that you need licenses for? Um, so just yeah, a number of things with that where they're really trying to assess like are what vulnerabilities do we have? Not so much uh, like a, a stress testing yep. uh, or things like that, but just like what what are the surprises? Has the team actually you know created this or is it a version of something that you know maybe they don't own certain pieces of it? And there's Yep,
1: that makes sense.
0: Yep, there's going to be a cost to that and those kind of things. So yeah, I get that. Uh, it definitely yeah, it definitely felt intimidating, but then you know when you kind of hear how well you did after it then you're you know both prideful and like okay yeah that hmm. that wasn't as bad as we thought it was going to be but it, you definitely see the reasons why for it um, yep. so so
1: they just had developers into your repository to like dig through the code and stuff
0: uh, no so very much uh, automated so it's embedding things right into your production environment that start going through and doing scans you know they've built proprietary software, They hire an outside vendor to like do this audit. So you put all that stuff in. Yep. And it goes through everything and then they come back and, you know, just like a security scan, right? It's like, all right, here's, you know, we had no high level items uh, that were, you know, offended any of the things. Here's a couple mediums. Here's a couple smalls really. And uh, with, with some of them, it's just like, okay, you know, we found these things. Do you actually have licenses for these?
1: right like libraries or something right
0: yep exactly and then it's just showing like yep we have those licenses we're good to go you know most of the small things just don't even matter any piece of software is going to have these low-level items that are out there
1: how long did it take from the LOI to like closing everything up yeah I want to say it was right around four months for
0: us I think you know the yeah the original oh boy I should have afraid, maybe it wasn't even that long. Um, I, I want to say we were shooting for, you know, closer to 45 to 60 days and maybe it stretched as far as 90. Um, boy, I should have really looked that up before we talked to have an exact, but, you know, it was, we, we were aiming for a pretty tight turn. Um, and yeah, once we got into it, you could kind of see a few things where, you know, maybe it would, maybe it wouldn't. Um, but yeah, when we get into some of the process stuff, that's where I can kind of unlock, like how to view some of those things. Um I, I guess as a teaser, the easiest way I explain it is it's like sprinting through a, a dark all black tunnel. And at the same time, you're thinking in your head, like, boy, I hope a shovel doesn't <laughs> totally. hit me in the face right now. Um, because you just, you know, I'd never been through an acquisition. I had no idea, you know, w- what is a big deal? What's a showstopper? What's not? You feel this intense pressure that everything matters. Um, and, you know, that's, that's probably one of the hardest things is just the emotional drain right. that it, yep. it puts on you during that time. Um, because you you want it to succeed, right? You're in that process uh, to to win out. And you become very invested, and it's very emotional and very stressful, and it's
1: it's interesting. How many hours did you personally put in, and how many hours did other members of your team have to put in? Like just like, what is the time investment to go from a letter of intent to close? It sounded like you had to do a lot of stuff to make this happen.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't have it articulated for hours, but. I would definitely frame it up as it became somewhere between a second part-time to full-time job. Um, You know, part-time in hours for the things you need to do, tracking down documentation, having meetings having calls with your legal representation, partner call, right? So much communication, so many things to decide on, paperwork to review, all those kind of things. And that was definitely like a right. part-time job on top of running the company. Um, but then, you know, just even like, I, I just had no mental space, right? It was like, this was, it consumed my mind. I was like, checked out at home, you know? And, and thankfully, like uh, my wife was great sure. about it. She got yeah. it. She was super supportive. Um, did, she didn't make it any harder on me for me to be so mentally unavailable. Um, but it, yeah. does, it does consume you. So I, I just say, yeah, I, I plan on it being another full-time job on top of your full-time job of you're trying to run the company, be successful, hit numbers and hit goals because you feel like if we don't keep that progress up in this small window we're trying to close... Then they're going to say, like, "All right, we don't want to do the deal." <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like do this amazing thing and also do this other amazing thing of getting the company sold. It's very intense.
1: Yeah, it's kind of expected you're going to be putting in a lot of hours over those three four months it takes to to close the deal. Makes sense. Makes sense.
0: Yes, and just being is you know, especially if you know significant other, anything else, like communicate to him or her. Like this is this is what to expect. This will take a lot out of me, um, but at the same time, you know, try to find where you can carve out some time to still be human and a decent parent and a good spouse or friend or partner. Like I, I just think that's really important. I, I definitely could have done a better job on. When I look back, I was like, I probably sure.
1: didn't need to be so consumed. Um, it's, it's pretty hard not to be when you're in that position, though, because it, it, there's a lot on the line. This is high stakes at this point. Yeah, it definitely, and it's you know.
0: It's high stakes for yourself and your family, and it's also yep. high stakes for your partners and your employees. It's like y- you you feel the weight of not wanting to disappoint or have something fall apart with with everyone. Um, and then you like our CFO. Like man, I feel like you know task wise, her list was five times heavier
1: than mine. Right, right? gotta like, gather all the docs and yeah. Yep,
0: all the docs, answering endless questions mm-hmm. as they re- review financials. I mean numbers of calls we had one to two meetings in person where we were flying out there um and yeah she Barb was amazing our CFO she just did such such a great job and um yeah, I I I would ha I wouldn't know what to do without everything that she did. I can't imagine if I didn't have that position in the company yeah. or I had to do all of that, like it would have been crippling. I couldn't have run the company.
1: I don't have a CFO. I'm gonna ha- I so basically I cannot sell until I get a CFO. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, either that or you're gonna need someone to run the company while you're doing all of these things. Yeah, totally. So yeah. but yeah, the preparation of having everything, you know, just having so many things in place and document documentation galore. And having easy access and having it well organized is just so
1: important. Sure. What do you mean by that? Like, what are the things that need to be documented?
0: Yeah. So it can be everything from you know the original uh, corporate structure, any of your tax filings. um, If you've brought on shareholders, any adjustments in the cap tables and and pieces like that. As I talked about, every last agreement. What do your contracts look like? Are they ironclad? What NDAs? What partner agreements? Uh, Employee contracts reimbursements, expenses, like it's just this endless, like anything you basically do if you have a paper trail and you have good documentation and clarity and the the order it took place in and everything else like it's gonna make your life a lot easier than when you're trying to like give verbal explanations to numbers or what something is or why it exists um, especially if it's anything of value to them um, because they want to retain that value yep. so if you have an agreement with someone and it's just a handshake agreement like that could affect your value because you don't actually have it in writing and a legal agreement with
1: it. Yeah, they're looking for liabilities too, right? Like if we don't have certain things in place, then that's a concern, right?
0: Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, makes sense. All right. So here we are. We're already 45 minutes in. We could probably do another 45 on this. But Easy. um yeah, I think I think to you know wrap it up the the high level things I hit on, you know, one, have thoughts around this, not just daydreams of things selling, but think about the structure, what it would look like. Take some of these calls and practice, especially when you get your first couple, like pay attention to what are they asking? What's important to them? And it's okay to even ask them early too. Like, what do you care about? What do you want to mm-hmm. see? What type of growth are you looking for? What's most important to you? Like, you know, interview them on the other side. Don't feel like it's it's all on you. And that that's really helpful. The second, if you have partners, like get yourselves on the same page so that you're going to need to spend your energy, you know, focused on communications with someone who's interested instead of internally squabbling or figuring it out or, you know, going in a hundred different directions. Uh, and then the last one, just as we we're talking about, like have, have your stuff in order. Like until this process, I definitely looked at a lot of things of, you know, all kinds of pieces of paperwork, legal documents, whatever else is nice to haves. Right. And after this, I'm like, now I get right. it. Like, if you're never going to sell your company or you don't need to prove any of those things, like, yeah, maybe then you're back to nice to have, not a big deal. But if you're going to change hands of possession, like having, Documentation and paper on all those things is like so important, and especially if you don't want something like that to ding the value that you're looking for out of your. Yeah,
1: it makes great sense. I think a lot of you know startup founders, they you know they they get up and running, but they they're not buttoning up all of the legal stuff. I know that uh, we've been in that position for sure at WhiteSpark, you know, 15 years in, uh, I'm much better at it now. But, you know, it's interesting to think about that. If you're like, you want to sell your company, you've got to have all that stuff in place. You better do it right. Yep. Because they're buying all 15 the years th- of it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so...
0: All right, man. Well, uh, awesome. I'll start getting some notes together on the next episode. We'll get this one posted. Hopefully we can find a quick turn to uh, get into part two and start getting some of the more of the bla- blocking and tackling and what took place in our process yeah. and, and things like that.
1: Sounds awesome. And hey, Huge congratulations again to you and everyone else at GatherUp, man. This is great, great news for everyone there. I'm glad to hear that it went so well, and I'm excited to hear more about it. Thanks. Totally
0: appreciate your support. And you've done it in more ways than one. You've verbally supported us. You have socially supported us. You have financially supported us in being a customer. Yeah. So when we have thanked our customers, like you're right in there with that. And yeah, you you can't you can't do without them. It's a it's a team effort, that's for sure. Yep.
1: All right. Well, until next time then. All right. We will talk soon. Thanks
0: everyone for listening. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode of the SAS Venture. Take
1: care. Bye, everyone.